unique in this triangle then, right? You are, I mean, yeah. That's usually how the math works out with this stuff, but yeah. Okay, I can I can add, I get it. All right, um, there. That's um, not the intention. That's definitely not the intention, but it's usually how it works out. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another conversation, Jason and Justin. Today we are joined by Joel. How are you doing, Joel? I am doing pretty well, I think, given all the weirdness that surrounds us these days. Man, weirdness, that's like such an understatement of a lifetime. But I am so excited to talk to you about your career and everything that you've done leading up to today and stuff that you have coming out in the future. I'm super excited because we were going through your IMDb page and you've been associated with a lot of films I have seen. And that, really? Yes. Oh my God, that's awesome. And actually one of my favorites. And I know that it's one of those that's getting a lot of like People are revisiting now and starting to really appreciate it. And that's Nightmare on Elm Street too. <laughs> yeah, you know, that that's one I've revisited too. Um, because as you probably know, it's gotten a whole new life and a whole new genre yeah. uh, than, than its original, I guess you would call its intent. But I'm kind of proud of that, that, that we're, uh, how, do, how did they put it? We are the first... Uh, gay horror film first mainstream gay horror film ever what, a, yeah. what an interesting kind of that's great cool i i we had no idea when we were making the film that that all these hidden innuendos and suggestions were there sort of just subtextually underpinning the whole movie but when you turn back and you look at it, i mean i was i was uh, the second unit director on that and i remember doing the the shower scene with marshall bell you know, where he's basically naked and getting whipped in the butt or slashed in the butt by, that's right, by Freddy Krueger's um, uh, taloned hands. And, uh, hmm. well, it was uh, <laughs> it's a second life for a movie. It was great. Yeah, they just did a whole documentary on it on um, Shudder. Yeah, well, I, I was um, asked to participate in one of the documentaries that got a lot of, play and that's actually how i first understood the uh the cultural context of the movie i, I was sitting in the chair and i thought they were just going to ask like you know how'd you make that bus stand on a on a pinnacle and and they're going uh you do know this was the first uh gay horror film ever and i like i think they just wanted to see my my reaction of like huh <laughs> and uh wasn't my proudest moment because i looked kind of like uh, I, I was a guest producer on that movie. <laughs> I was completely not aware of what was going on, um, but it was fun. I enjoyed it. That's awesome. Uh, I I got to ask because you've you you were involved with Wes Craven's uh, Dracula 2000 and also Friday the Thirteenth. Did you get a chance to meet Wes Craven? Yes, I have had a tortured relationship with Wes. I respect the hell out of him and wish I could have been his friend, but uh, we were both working for a fellow named Bob Weinstein at Dimension Films, and uh, often we were shotgunned together, and sometimes in the worst way possible. I mean, uh, on Dracula 2000, they had basically just bought his name, you know, mm -hmm. to put it in, in front, and he hated the movie. He really did, and um, even when I wrote the script, it was marked up like the, the English teacher that he once was. And, you know, every time I accidentally used the word 
it's is ITS instead of what it should have been. It is, it's with an apostrophe. There was a big yellow red circle around it. And I like, okay, my bad for the grammar, but is this really uh, yeah, impacting? You're just looking for something to get angry about. The movie, yeah. And and the first uh, the first uh, screening we did of the, of the director's cut, um, we had a friend of ours take the Wes Craven Presents and it just bannered across the front of the movie as, as we opened. And then you hung on it and very slowly the pee just started to quiver a little and then just teetered and fell off. And we were left with Wes Craven Resents, Dracula 2000. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and, and I really wanted to make good with him. I really did. So when he visited the set, it was sort of obligatory since he was the supposed godfather of the movie. I made sure he got a nice hot cup of coffee, a nice director chair to sit in right in front of the set. And I opened up my director chair to sit down next to him, knocked the hot coffee right into his lap, scalding oh. his genitals. And he leapt out cursing and picked up what was left of the coffee and flung it at me, missed and hit the production manager right in the head. And it was just like, I can't do anything for this guy. I yeah. can't. Yeah. And then Bob brought me back on a movie called Cursed to actually uh, uh, fill in um, uh, some, some trailer moments uh, <laughs> that, uh, that were totally like nothing to do with the film and Wes was, of course, really annoyed. And then we stole a, an actor that he was going to use for his film to make Pulse later on. And it just went on and on and on. And I, I just, oh, and then he, they brought me in to, to do a rewrite on Scream 4, um, which was totally a studio thing. So I was the studio hatchet man there, too. I mean, I, I, was, I was his curse. I feel like you were much. put in positions to not be successful with that relationship, though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there, there was a point way toward the end of our, our time together when he kind of looked at me and he said, you're not all that bad. Oh, well. And I took that to be like, oh, validation, finally. <laughs> My career is, is complete now. But that's cool, though. You got to, I mean, you did get to do some writing on Scream 4. That's that's amazing. I, I think that's a very underrated sequel. But you also were a producer of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yes. Um, that was a little bit of a while ago. <laughs> but it's still, I mean, the, the, the legacy behind that film is yeah, huge. I still love it, um, except that I always use that film as a reminder that, you know, None of us are visionaries. We uh, we do our best, and then we hope that people respond to it. But when we made that movie, the entire executive brass, when we first showed it to them, they hated it so badly they dumped the film. That's and, wild. And it wound up in this little upstart company called uh, Nelson Entertainment, who who took it upon themselves to pull out whatever pocket change they had and and gamble on a research screening and it tested through the roof but nobody nobody had the faith in it to even try that at the studio that really bankrolled the movie for what was been quite a lot for an indie film ah but that's that's uh that's the creative process i guess so i, I guess we're did you get were involved at all with the young keanu reeves because he's he's a hot topic right now right really he's always been but like seemed more so now than ever well 
Um, only in so far as you know, we we chose him. I mean, he was the one unanimous casting choice of the producers and the director. Mm -hmm. um, that everything else was like, no, I want this, no, I want that. But everybody agreed on Keanu. He was uh, a revelation, and you know, I obviously he's he's become something of an icon. But he yeah. really, through all of the films that I've seen him do, it's really been Bill and Ted and the Matrix guy. Mm -hmm. And it's, that's sort of his, uh, he likes to be in those two little pockets, I think. Well, now he's in the John Wick pocket too. Yeah, which is, sort of, I think that's sort of an extension of the Matrix guy. Yeah, right? it's the same thing, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Fine. A little more gravity involved in the way he kicks ass, but otherwise, <laughs> yeah. I have to ask, and this is, I mean, I mean, you delved into the, the Star Trek world. How was that with <laughs> Trekkies? Like, how was that whole thing? How was the whole movie? confession i am a fraud uh <laughs> i my company um uh made the film and i was one of the producers on it but when uh the director roger nygaard who is one of my best friends and is a real visionary on so many levels but he uh he brought this idea to me about like okay we're going to showcase star trek fans and we're going to show how silly they are. And I'm thinking, well, no, okay, who's going to watch this? Because um, who wants to be made a fool <laughs> on camera for, for thousands and what turned out to be millions of people? Yeah. And the answer is Trekkies. They loved it. The more they looked like just complete village idiots, the more they just bought into it and told their friends. And it, that was like a another lesson learned in the process that I was so just because I have a, a an eggshell ego doesn't mean that other people can't laugh at themselves, you know? And so uh, that movie succeeded despite me. Really. <laughs> well, I mean, you delved into the sequel. How was that? I mean, was it fun revisiting the whole thing or was it? No, because everybody was so angry that I was such a doomsayer. <laughs> that when it came to, to having a real budget to make the second one, my, my producing partner, Mike Leahy, uh, took the job of accompanying Roger around the world, you know, basically mm -hmm. staying in first class hotels and meeting all the cool people and going to all the cool countries and staying in all the cool Rivieras. And I was left, you know, with a t-shirt. Joel, you're getting a hose on a lot of these. these yeah, no, here, it's I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to explain how this has not been like a glorious cakewalk for me. So, so is horror one of your favorite genres, or is it just one that you've been lucky enough to work in? The answer is yes. I I, I guess to put it in sort of blunt terms. I like making horror films more than any other kind of movie because there's so many toys involved. But by the time it's ended, um, I don't revisit those movies as much because they're kind of confections. They're like there to like get a couple shot gags. Um, what one of my bosses once called liftoff is if you don't get liftoff five or six times in the movie, then you failed. And so it's almost it's 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 more of a mechanical exercise, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, whereas 
some of the other genres that are more character driven. I find it as I get older, I'm more drawn to those that are just like, and some of them are, are horror films. Like The Others is one of my favorite movies of any Oh, it's time. so good. So good. Um, and I, I'm jealous that I never got to make a movie like that yet. Oh man, that twist at the end? Oh my gosh. Yeah, it has everything. So it has yeah. the, the, the draw, it has the mood, it has the, 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 every dynamic works there. And that's what I love. And when a movie works on all cylinders, I, I will say you made one of my favorite funny horror movies in Feast. Because <laughs> I, 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 when I first saw that movie, I died laughing. It was so good. Well, you will be happy to know, Justin, that um, we got the team back together and we're making a, a Feast inspired movie called Seven Cemeteries oh, uh, shooting next month. And John Gilger is directing again. I wrote the script, and Danny Trejo is going to play the kind of Yul Brenner-ish part of the Magnificent Seven. Um, That's awesome! I'm really excited. And, and uh, the hook is that uh, Trejo gets out of prison—not a stretch—and um, <laughs> um, he's trying to round up his posse to uh save this ranch from a bunch of uh modern day desperados and drug drug lords and the ilk and uh realizes they're all dead but with the help of a mexican bruja that doesn't stop him from getting his crew back together so it's kind of like a bunch of uh dead tough guys who really are kind of pissed off that they have to go on one last mission and becomes more like herding cats than a, a, a big sort of heroic uh, adventure. But I, I, I think it's going to be fun. It has, it has that same kind of inspired idiocy that Feast did. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, I laughed so hard in Feast. I, I'm looking very much forward to it. Justin, oh, Justin messaged me and goes, he made young Justin's favorite movie and older <laughs> Justin's favorite movie. Which was, uh, Dracula 2000. And <laughs> okay, well, I'm yeah. on the ver verge of making ancient Justin's favorite That's right, movie. old Justin. We're, <laughs> we're getting there. This will be great. Nice. So uh, how involved with the uh, Start of the Prophecy series were you? And I see that you directed a couple of them as well. Greg Wyden, who uh, I have leached off of my entire career, uh, was the the idea behind the prophecy series um, and backdraft and Highlander. I did a couple Highlander movies and uh, yeah, wrote one of those as well. But, um, but Greg and I were friends and he had this script that um, was just, well, I, I hope you've seen it. It's, it's, it's just crazy inspired. It was a horror version of Milton's paradise lost. For all you guys that I know have read that cover to cover, um, I probably don't need to tell you anything about the story, but um, for those few of you who haven't read it, um, 600 pages of medieval lyric poetry, um, the, the, uh, the hook is that, that Satan and um, God used to be like brothers. And as sort of the Bible tells us, they sort of had a falling out and, and um, Lucifer fell and hell was created. And now Gabriel, God's sort of right-hand angel, is feeling that same sense of estrangement with God. And he 
is particularly jealous because this little event called, I think, the Nicene Council of 4 uh, AD, 400 AD, um, decided that, that uh, for the first time, humans were more exalted than angels in God's eye. And so the angels have just become supremely jealous of humans and want to sort of exterminate them. And uh, so it, it's this sort of weird theological political intrigue going on um, on planet Earth. And the whole hook of it is that Lucifer kind of comes over to our side because he doesn't want the competition of, of Gabriel starting another hell. And I just thought like, you know, once my brain slowed down to sort of absorb all that, it was just like, whatever I need to do to get this movie made. And we walked through fire to do it because like the studios were going, okay, we like the angels fighting people, uh, uh, you know, back and forth battle stuff, but but all that theological stuff, can we just get rid of that? You know, just have <laughs> winged demons versus humans. I'm going, no, that's kind of like not, not what we wanted. And uh, we whined until the guy named Robbie Little scared up enough money to make it. That's awesome. Yeah, and uh, one of my favorite horror franchises, which is Pulse. I went, were you involved with the first one or just the second and third one? Oh, no, all of them. I, I uh, directed second and third, but um, which was a weird experiment in green screen mayhem. But um, the first one was uh, a fairly well-funded for a horror film uh, remake of uh, Cairo. Was it the name of the, the, the Japanese film? I think so. And I, I'm proud of Pulse. I, I mean, I, we had a great cast, and and um, I think the the director got some great mood out of it, and and um, it was fun. But we did what all Americans try to do, which is take like a Japanese horror inspiration, which is a mood piece, completely without explanation, how these these otherworldly entities come into our world and cause um, death and destruction. We we tried to explain it all you know, scientifically and rationally. And, and you know, that sometimes just don't try. That's one of my, yeah. my, my morals of horror movies is don't try to explain where the creature from Feast came from. Yeah, the mystery's part of the, the window. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was another learning experience, adapting the Japanese horror genre. I, I personally like that one. I like the whole franchise, actually. The a young sure. Kristen Bell too in the first one, and Ian Somerhalder. Yes, yeah, that was the guy we stole from Wes, who was doing another film with Ian, and we. Oh, uh, it's, it's yeah, making just, friends all over the place. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pay in the next life when Wes gets his hands on me. But um, anyway. <laughs> So what was it like working on Hellraiser? I mean, that's a pretty iconic brand name. How, what was it like? It is. Hellraiser is, um, there's two franchises that I've done too many of, <laughs> uh, Hellraiser and Children of the Corn. Mm. And there is a point when somebody's got to just tell you to stop. And the fans did. I mean, we used to get like, they weren't they weren't writing the, the, the happiest reviews of our work there toward the end. But... Um, but it's a, it's a give or take situation because they really want to see the next episode so badly of what's Pinhead going to do next. And mm -hmm. 
what other things are the kids in the corn going to do besides sleuth around and and swing sickles at people? Um, but for me, I, I just I started off like anybody else, like yeah, this is such a cool franchise, and I am so stoked to be involved in it. And and to be honest, at a certain point, it became a job, and you mm. never want that to ever happen with a film, because films are all about passion. You just got to mm. live and breathe it, and bleed for it to make it something real. You've been a producer on a bunch of films. Is there any like specific memory or something that's been like really memorable on a set or anything like that that really sticks with you? Um, a lot of my biggest best memories are things that were um, they were confrontations because okay. they're 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 often. Yeah the most um especially when i'm producing you know yeah. I, I i direct and write as well but when i'm producing i'm just basically a repository of of complaints you know people i'm, I'm the complaint box that people stick their <laughs> little, little 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 uh issues into and a lot of actors as you no doubt know are, are kind of needful and kind of think they're entitled to more than human beings generally should expect. And uh, working with Christopher Walken was a totally different experience. He was a guy who is the consummate professional, but he doesn't put up with any bullshit by anybody else. And if you know, if you don't know your job, he'll rip your throat out. Mm -hmm. And um, there was one point on the original prophecy where uh, I don't even remember what the issue was. I just remember the the feeling I had when he said to me in his Walken voice, and I'm one of the few people that can't do Walken. <laughs> I can't either. I've tried. So I'm not even going to try. I'll I'll I'll, I'll uh, do you guys a favor. Um, <laughs> but he takes me. He says, "Joel, you know, just really nice. Just walk with me for a second. And we're out in the middle of the desert. So we walk out into the desert." away from out of earshot, out of sight. And I think, well, like, what's this all about? Is he going to tell me a story? Is he going to like ask me to produce this next movie? I mean, what is this? And we stop and he turns on me and he says, this is the most fucked up asinine amateur bitch fest of a movie I've ever worked on. I mean, I don't know how you guys even got this thing together and where you found what swamp you pulled these people. I mean, he's just foaming, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and if this, whatever it was, if this ever happens again, if it ever even comes close to happen, if it even gets near me, if I even smell or hear or even know it's happening somewhere, I'm out of here. And you will, you will just, your film will die. And then he stopped and he goes, do we understand each other? <laughs> and I said, uh, uh, yeah, we do. And he goes, good, good. Okay, come on, Joel, let's go, let's go back. And we walked back like besties and he went back to work and did a brilliant job. But as stunned as I was by what he did, I also appreciated it because um, he, didn't, he, he didn't want to embarrass me in front of anybody else. He wanted to get his point across with a couple extra exclamation points. And then he was done with it. He had said his piece 
And he was totally back to being the professional guy. And I got thought, you know, if you're going to have a meltdown, that's the way to do it. Mm -hmm. Just calculate it, do it where it has the most impact and don't leave a lasting stain where, yeah. where you just did what, what you did. And, and th that lingered with me at first it was rage and it turned like in the course of an hour into appreciation. It was sure. the weirdest feeling I've ever had as a producer. Well, unless it turned around because he came back for sequels. Yeah, yeah, no, he did. <laughs> and whatever it was that we did, it never happened again. I can assure you that. <laughs> so, so tell us about my best worst adventure. Well, as uh, you no doubt already probably figured out, it's a little different from my normal stock and trade. Um, I uh, was doing a, a a little horror thriller called Cam to Cam in Bangkok. And uh, I, I uh, was sitting on set one day with, with the, um, the producer. Um, I was directing that one and, and talking about her life and her life growing up in the north of Thailand in this tiny little village near the Cambodian border where they, for recreation, these kids, like eight-year-old kids, are racing water buffaloes, which is basically like sitting on top of a stampeding um, bunch of bulls that are are you know running as fast as horses <laughs> not nearly as controllable and you, there's no saddle or bridle or anything to hang on to this sport is absolutely insane and if you fall off you know good luck because there's a bunch of trampling bulls coming up behind you it's like the, the running of the bulls but you're on top of them instead and um i just i i couldn't get that out of my head so i just sort of took what for me is very rarely an opportunity to write a movie that comes out of a character rather than a plot line. Mm -hmm. And because, um, you know, horror films and genre films and comedies, teen comedies and all that, they're very plot driven. Here was a chance to actually explore it from the character's point of view. I, I took my alter ego, a 13-year-old a bitchy little girl, <laughs> um, and plucked her out of Los Angeles and dropped her in the middle of this world and then kind of used my my horror chops to kind of imagine what it would be like if you're, you know, living on an alien planet and you've just been sort of dropped down into this this completely frightening and and overwhelming place. And these people are doing these insane things like the buffalo racing. And, and there's, you know, she's watching the brutality of, of the parents um, with their kids. She's watching bullying at school. She's watching um, um, people just acting completely outside her frame of reference. And um, gradually you start to see that these people aren't insane, that they're actually doing something that is, is more socially cohesive and, and fulfilling than the stuff we pretend to do as families and as, as, as members of a community. And, and, um, and how it all wove together was just really, for me, the fun part of just telling a different kind of horror story about real people. That's awesome. I can't wait to check it out. When does it come out? Um, it's coming out uh, September 1st on uh, pay-per-view and um, uh, shortly thereafter streaming 
um, to all the usual platforms, which boggles my mind now how many there are. I used to a be. Ton. Yeah. We would just like make the film goes to theater for a little while and then uh, winds up on DVD and like, okay, how'd that go? <laughs> now it's it's like hundreds. And so rather than like lay out that list, I, I think people are more sophisticated than I am in finding it just by knowing that it's called my best worst adventure. And, you know, at my best worst ADV Twitter, I think it is. And it's my best worst adventure on Facebook. And I think if you Google it, it shows up everywhere. And we're getting great reviews, which is also something I don't always get with my 15th sequel of Children of the Corn. Um, so uh, um, that's also kind of really satisfying to see that something that I I responded to that other people are responding to as well. And it's really, it's quite easily the movie I'm most proud of having been involved in. I can't wait to check it out. I know yeah, awesome. you probably can't either. Cause we're both huge fans of the movies that you've made. <laughs> well, so far so good. My <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping, but not entirely 100% convinced that it's going to supplant Feast for you, Justin. But I'm if it can get close, if it can I'm get open. close, my job is done. <laughs> Joe, where can everybody find you on the social medias? I just got my, just because I knew you were going to ask me that question. I got a Twitter page, um, which... How do you say it? It's at Joel Soisson, my name, J-O-E-L-S-O-I-S-S-O-N. It's the Frenchy uh, version. And um, now I guess I got to put stuff on it, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So when you when you check it out, it will have stuff on it. Link Links to things. <laughs> just, I don't know if you... Just have a coming soon sign and just call it a day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I think when you brought up Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, people did probably figure out how old I am, and they can forgive my lack of social media clarity here. I do have one more question to ask oh, you, though. And, and we are we are on Facebook, by the way. I was just okay. reminded. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm so, sorry. No, Go you're ahead. okay. I'm glad you said something about that. Cool. Uh, I'm just thinking about like the whole Scarlett Johansson lawsuit to Disney and things like that. And you mentioned a bunch of different streaming sites. Do you think the splitting of theater and, and streaming is a good thing for media or movies in general? Or do you have an opinion on it? I did. And like my opinions on just about everything, it's constantly evolving. Yeah. Um, I, I love going to theaters. And yeah, so many films now that aren't Marvel movies are just don't even have a chance. No matter how good they are, they just don't make it anymore. Particularly independent movies, mm -hmm. because of the you know the death of the indie theaters, and I think the the whole COVID shutdown just decimated that that part of the industry even further. And anything that further destroys the theat the theatrical experience, which I think day and date type stuff does. Um, it's sad if 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 it isn't inevitable, you mm -hmm. know. Um, I'm not sure anything we do right now to prop up theaters is in the end going to bring them back to their heyday. I think there'll always be a few in your your city and one in your town if you're mm -hmm. lucky. But um, that experience is, you know, when people have 
when the screens in theaters are getting smaller and the, the screens in houses are getting bigger, I mean, how's that not going to kill um, theaters, even without the streaming simultaneous thing going on? Yeah, there's. See, I, I'm a theater person too. I just saw uh, Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds, and it was. I saw it in the theaters. It was so much fun being in a theater mm -hmm. again, laughing with a bunch of people. But then on the the other side of that, I know a lot of people that are finding indie films because they're becoming more available on like Amazon or Netflix or Hulu. Yeah. Oh, that that's certainly the case with with my stuff. Um, some of which doesn't make it to theaters, or sometimes. A lot of times we'll have a vanity release, you know, where you you book a weekend at six theaters, hmm. which gets you the the sort of the feeling. Oh, I it had a theater. Well, no, it didn't. It, it, you're you're just sort of stroking yourself. <laughs> um, but um, that experience, and quite often we get up until recently, we were getting that thrill from festivals like this film. Um, I went around the world with it. Um, on the festival circuit and we were getting awards and feedback and stuff. But the thing that was the most satisfying, uh, uh, which I lost for a while on, on some of these sequels that I was doing was that feeling of being in a theater, the lights go down and exactly what you're talking about, Jason, where you're actually feeling like you're in an, it's more of an experience. And we had uh, people on their feet screaming back at the, at the at the screen and crying and and laughing all that all those you know saccharine cliched emotions but when you're sitting next to it it's real it's it's mm -hmm. it, you just swell within the, that enthusiasm you know yeah no it's so something about having a good cry with somebody next to you or a laugh or a mm -hmm. fright in the theater i i get it i I'm a huge fan of i got the amc uh, stubs reward where i can go to see three movies a week for a month like every week and uh, I go to the theater as much as I can but I also understand good for you the plus side of being at home watching movies so, I mean it's there's good on either side but I completely agree with you I would be so sad if theaters went away I, I think nothing beats watching a horror movie with 50 strangers and everyone being scared in the same like you know what I mean everyone's like oh gosh yeah. this is no. <laughs> I probably would have cried if I found out Scream 5 was just going to my house because I've seen all the screams in the theater and I'm being in the theater for five because I'm, curi I'm well, curious what West a non-Wes Craven scream is going to look like. And uh, But yeah. Yeah, you, I am too. You are probably our favorite interview of the year. I could tell just by looking at Justin's face. So thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute delight. And I hope we can get you on again when the Danny Trejo movie comes out. I, I hope so. But how can he... How can I not be Justin's favorite if I've got like two of his favorite? That's right. You're, you're in there. You're that right in book there. Bookend his you're adult life. Yeah, yeah. Three, because he's a Bill and Ted fan. Listen, too. I watched Feast I for every day for like a week, and my friends can <laughs> can back that. I, the fact I, that the, the the superhero came, or the hero came in, they got murdered out the window. I died laughing every time that happened. It is. It is the first time in two years of doing this with Justin that he has texted me about somebody's IMDb page. Yeah, I was like, hey, this dude did Feast. <laughs> I like hilarious. Feast a lot. <laughs> well, I have, to, I have to leave you with this, Justin, because yeah. um, that was made by Dimension Films, uh, part of the Weinstein Company. And um, the, the, the point guy was Bob Weinstein, the guy I mostly have worked with. Um, I only once with Harvey 
and he fired me on that show. So there was no love lost there. But um, we made the film. Bob loved it. He was over the moon. Ah, it's going to be thousands of theaters, and we're going to rake up with this, and it's going to be so great. And I love it. I, I, I can't say enough good about it. Harvey watched the movie, and it's just said, this isn't even worth going to theaters. Nah, we're not going to do anything with this. Give them a two hundred if they if they if they insist on it, but get you oh, know wow. shelve this. It's it's a loser, and so I understand Harvey pissed some other people off somewhere along the way, um, <laughs> but that started me down the road of being the first Harvey hater. Okay, <laughs> I can get behind that statement. For sure. All right, I just want that. I want that. I appreciate that, that mantle. Story. Um, yeah. I think all of America is behind you on that statement. Yeah, I don't you know. can. Joel, I know that there, there can all, just as we say in in uh, the Highlander trade, there can only be one. And I am <laughs> you could I, you got it. I you am the it. original Harvey hater, so oh, I just put wanted it on to your lay website. That out there. Put it on I your website. I should do that. Yeah, yeah a whole I'll... page dedicated to it. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, check out Joel. He's done a lot of stuff. I'll put a the link to the upcoming movie and everything in the description below. Follow us at Three Geeks Podcast, and everybody have a great evening.